Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-11. through 11. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, may our ears be open. May our hearts be like healthy soil ready to receive the seeds of your word that it may bear fruit. God, may you receive all the glory and may the truth be your truth. God, use me and the power of Holy, through the power of your Holy Spirit to be clear and to convict and to... Um, Lift up your word in a way that honors you, God. Thank you for those gathered here from clothed near and afar. And as we draw closer to you, may you be the center and may you be the prime focus of all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I become middle-aged, I'm starting to really believe this idea that the healthiest way to view myself and to, for Christians to view themselves as in light of being a Christian, is to see ourselves as children of God. To see ourselves as children of God. And I want to just say that because sometimes we think of ourselves as important people with title, a pastor, deacon, an elder, a Bible study teacher. And after a while of hearing that, we may forget the most essential truth which is to be a child of God. In Matthew 18, verse 3, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and, what? You know the rest. Become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And then we see that the hardest thing for Christians to do is to humble ourselves and to recognize, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Fathers to say, I am a child of God. Uh, for mothers to say that. For CEOs to say that. If we're truly Christian, I am a child of God. And so it's humbling to say that because it kind of connotes that I, I'm still dependent. I'm still childish in some ways. And that's exactly the point. And what we turn to in 1 John chapter 3 is John, who loved Jesus, followed Jesus, hits it again and again. You know, uh, when I was in college, they said, when you do Bible study, 
look for, this is one easy technique, look for words or phrases that's repeated over and over again in a short segment. So, for example, in Genesis, God calls out Abraham, and he says, Abraham, Abraham, he says it twice. In Joshua chapter 1, we see this, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. You hear it. What is God trying to convey to Joshua, who is about to lead a nation as a new leader? Be strong and very courageous. So whenever God repeats things, he's saying, pay attention. This is the message. And so we turn to today's text in chapter 3, and this is the text that we have with us today. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Verse 2, beloved, we are God's children. It's as if John is really hitting it home in the middle of this letter, saying, don't forget that we are the children of God, and God is our Father. And there's something remarkable and beautiful about that. The emphasis here is not that you're just going to heaven. I think a lot of modern Christians, we settle for that. Well, I don't need to try. I don't need to obey. I don't need to uh, do anything good. I could kind of enjoy life a little because ultimately God forgives me and I'm going to heaven. And you, when you look at Scripture, that's not Christianity. That's a very self-centered religion. Here we see that it's about this relationship that God has called us into, being a child of God. And that makes all the difference. And so I'm a, I'm a dad, and you know we have, I have children, and and we know relationships. Some of, all of you have parents, and all of you had a, possibly had cousins, at least, if not siblings. And so this dynamic of parent-child is an interesting metaphor that John uses. But it's not just a metaphor. It's a theology that's true. So I want to share three things that John is conveying to us from these three verses. First three, that reflects a real parent-child relationship and God's relationship to us. So, here's the first aspect of why we could view ourselves as children of God. One, the first thing he's saying is, you became a child of God, not by anything that you did, but what God has done in us. We become children of God by what God does in us, not by anything we have done. Now, to make that clear point even clearer, how many of you chose your mom and dad when you were born? How many of you had a decision and put in an effort to your birth? And the answer is none of us because we're just being born. We didn't uh, have a selection process. We didn't contribute to our birth in any way. We were given to our parents. We were birthed outside of our control. And that's almost a great analogy to what God is saying here. We become Christians and children of God not because we've chosen God, not because we were born in the right family. Some people say if you were born in a Muslim family, you would be a Muslim. If you were born in a Buddhist family, you'd be a Buddhist. You're, you were born in a Christian family, so you're a Christian. And we know many Buddhists who became Christians. We know many atheists who became Christians. The work of becoming a Christian is God's. Verse 1, see what kind of love the Father 
has given us. The Father has given us this relationship. God took the initiative. God made this possible. He did the work so that you and I could have this birth into this family. That's powerful. So I saw this on Facebook this past week. Someone posted, being a Christian is simple. And I said, oh, what, what, what is it? And so they wrote, being a Christian is simple. Treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated. And I said, yeah, no. <laughs> so yes uh, and no. Yes, this is what authentic, genuine, born-again Christians in Jesus Christ should live out, right? Treat others as you like to be treated. But no, if the author of that Facebook post is implying in order, the way you become a Christian is to live this code, live this way, and therefore now, wow, you look like a Christian. We fall into that. Uh, why are you a Christian? Well, I go to church every Sunday. Why? Well, my parents made me, and I just liked it, and I make friends there, and I got baptized, and I decided to take confirmation class, and now I'm serving. Why are you a Christian? How are you a Christian? You're describing what you have done. And so this, what, what John is saying to us, this is a birth. It's, it's a transformation that happens in us. It's not a lifestyle that makes, defines us, but the transformation of rebirth leads to a new lifestyle. It leads to an obedience to God and his word. A born into Christ, what Jesus has given to me, this birth. And so Paul says this about Jews. In Romans 2.29, Paul says this, but a Jew is one inwardly. He's saying Jew is a Jew, not something from the outside, but inwardly for Jew. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. And so Paul is saying, even the Jews, you have to be circumcised if you're a male to be a Jew. But he's saying, but is it just a scalpel that makes one a Jew? He says, even for the Jew, as Paul is a Jew, circumcision of the heart is what makes somebody, by the Spirit, a follower of God. And so for Christians, for us, it's not something we have done. We've been birthed into it, and this is the grace of God. See what kind of love the Father has given. Becoming a child of God is a gift received from God. So let me ask you, why are you a Christian? How are you a Christian? Is it something you did, something you experienced, something you had a, you had a kind of feeling and you cried? I hope that that could transition, and the truth of it we recognize is that God I'm a Christian because God decided to show me mercy, because God washed me clean. And friends, do you know what we call this in the church world? Baptism. This is why we get baptized. Baptism is a sign that when we go into the water, we die to our old self and our sins, and then we're washed clean by the waters. And then when we rise up again, we are alive in Christ and Christ is in us. Ephesians 2, 4, 5 says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which, with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together. Unless you will recognize that Christianity, you being washed clean and you being called a child of God is a gift from God, you will never see God as a loving father. 
you will see this as a religion you've earned and you've attained and you're keeping, keep, I'm trying so hard to be a better Christian. And we say those kind of words instead of, I am a child of God worthy of nothing, but he adopted me into his family. And so this is what First John starts off with. We are God's children. And I, my, my thought in this Lenten season is, why do we treat God's gift, if this is a gift, with such disdain? It saddens me that a lot of Christians see Christian life as a burden. We see Christian life like, I have to go to worship. Oh, I have to serve. I have to read the Bible. And we see this gift of God that he's invited us into it with such disdain and burden. And if it's a gift from God to be called son or daughter, it makes me say, God, everything I have, I want to do it for you. I have a father. I have a daddy in heaven who loves me. This is what John is saying. That is what we are. He goes on. If you look at verse 1, not only is that an adoption that God has done, this is God not being a passive God, but he's actively seeking us. Let me explain. Verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Now, when you hear that first verse, that we should be called children of God, I think we might think of it, and I think of it, originally as like, what is he called? What's his name? Jason. In Spanish, if you take Spanish, you know the saying, how do you say my name is? Me llamo, meaning I call myself Jason. Me llamo Jason. And so when we see the word call, it's like, oh, it's a title. It's a label. What do you call them? Children of God. Well, the Greek word for call is kaleo, and it means, yes, what they're called, the title, but it also means, and I think this is John's intent, to invite. You've been called. You've been invited. You've been, you've been sought after and you've been invited to this family. So rereading it, listen to how it changes when we apply that. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be invited to be children of God. That's a God who is seeking after us. He wants us. He's the father and the prodigal son that sees his son far away and runs after him. God doesn't just show love. God gives this kind of love. Uh, John Stott wrote a book called Basic Christianity. If you're a Christian, this book must be in your library, and I challenge you high school students, I challenge you anyone, if you wanted to read a good Christian book, Basic Christianity by John Stott must be in your library. But this is what he says. Many people visualize a God who sits comfortably on a distant throne. That's true. I think we think God is just far, looking at us and just aloof. Uninterested and indifferent to the needs of mortals until it may be they can badger him into taking action on their behalf. Please, God, help us. All right, let me help you. That's what John Stott is saying that a lot of us think. He goes on, such a view is wholly false. The Bible reveals a God who long before it even occurs to man to turn to him, while man is still lost in darkness and sunk in sin, takes the initiative, rises from his throne, lays aside his glory, and stoops to seek him until he finds him. Jesus Christ. And so, when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3, what do you see God doing? Where are you? 
God just doesn't show love, but he comes, he chases, he comes to the people. He lays down his throne and his crown and has come after us. And so when, it, when we hear child of God, what John is saying here is he's called us. He hasn't just labeled us, but he's invited us, engaged us into this. We have a policy in our youth group that we want to be a youth group where because there's so much uh, rejection and insecurity and, and kind of popularity that the world says this is what's cool, we pray that our youth group is a place where kids can genuinely feel that they're known, that they're loved, that they could come and this is a family. This is a second family. And why do we have that belief? Because this is what we believe about God. That you can't, this is, our, this is what we strive, that you cannot come to our church program with the youth group and gather and ever feel like you're ostracized, you're left out, you're not cool enough. In fact, I love skaters. I love the rejects. I love the broken kids. I love the kids who don't want to care about religion. I actually love them even more because they're the ones that are expecting the religious people to say, oh, not you. Why do I think that? Because this is our God. He just doesn't want the clean people, the proper people. Oh, wow, you are so disciplined. You must be the one that must come to my family. He says, no, I'll take you. I'll take you. This is the God who calls and beckons us. And lastly, there's this mysterious wording in here. Um, what will be as children has not fully been taken place until the future. Um, when a baby is born, baby has no clue about his future. He's just looking for warmth and food <laughs> and change my diaper. Parents look at that and they see a little bit more of the future. I want you to grow. The goal of a baby being born is not just to look cute, but parents, our aim is to nurture them to maturity and kick them out of the house when they're old enough. Yay. NIV commentary says this beautiful line. I'm not going to paraphrase. I'm going to use this. That God calls us children of God inaugurates a reality that will be brought to its fruition at a future time. That God inaugurates something in you and me as Christians that will be brought to its fruition in its future time. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. Can you repeat that with me at home? Not yet appeared. In other words, i.e., the world as we see it now is not the final product. The life that you're living is not the final product, and most importantly, the way you are is not the final product, which means humble yourself. You're not the final product. You're not perfect yet. I'm not perfect yet. So we strive in obedience and humility, and we look forward to what is the final product. Um, I remember baking cakes with my kids, and they're like, ooh, you know, and they're like three or four, yay, flour. We pour flour, like, oh, that's so beautiful. You crack eggs in there, and they're mixing it, and they go, yay. And I just want to tell them, I think Kathy tells them, if you think this is great, wait till you eat the final product, right? If you think this is great, Wait till you see the final product. And we need to do that with our lives. We look for the worldly highs and lows, and we think, like, this, is, this must be the glorious thing. Grand Canyon is the most beautiful thing ever. <laughs> if you're a child of God, wait till you see what happens when God comes. Wait till you see what Jesus comes face to face. Because what one day, 
will be with God face to face, and everything tastes better, looks better, is better. And we think, last week's sermon, the world is fleeting and it fails, and we think the world is everything. And this is why John says, no, no, it's coming. Uh, we need to hear this because, listen to this, just in the past week, I just, just, just this is the news that's trickling in. Two of our church family members lost an immediate family member through COVID, just, out of, just suddenly, within a month span, and then one person abruptly from COVID. Since 2015, 11,500 Christians in Nigeria were butchered to death with machetes and spears and knives because of genocide for clinging to Jesus Christ. In America, we just passed 500,000 because of COVID. We've seen people stepped on and stomped on and pushed just because they're Asian. We see a world that is not the way it's supposed to be. We still see that if you're a color of your skin and is this way, you should be treated this way. And we could try, but we realize even the perpetrators of these is, are not atheists. They're not wicked people. They're good old church-attending Christians who perpetuate some of this. And so, thanks be to God that if we are truly in Christ, what will be in us, what will be in the world is not what it's, we're seeing. And we say hallelujah. And the reason we feel out of place as children of God is because when we see Jesus coming and we recognize him, ah, it's happening. There's a song we're going to sing at the end, and the words go like this from Matt Redman. One day you'll make everything new, Jesus. One day you'll bind every wound. The former things shall all pass away, no more tears. One day you'll make sense of it all, Jesus. One day every question resolved, every anxious thought left behind, no more fear. One day we'll be free, free indeed, Jesus. One day all this struggle will cease, and we will see your glory revealed on that day. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing a shout, the victory. This is what John's talking about when he says, Beloved, we are God's children, and what will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. And we need to shout, Hallelujah, Amen. I will persevere, I will hold, I will humble myself, and I will be his hands and feet and be stepped on even for his name's sake because I know my king and I know who I am as a child of God and I know what God has promised to me. This is the theme that John wants us to know that I think God wants us to know today as a church. True children of God recognize Jesus and that when he appears, they know that the best is yet to come. Will you recognize Jesus? Will you shrink in shame when he comes? Or when you see him, will you rejoice and say, it's happening? What a day that it will be. Let's pray. God, as children of God, we come to you. As a child of God, I pray. I received everything by your grace. 
I have everything and all the promises because of your blessing, not anything I have done. And Lord, we bow before you as a church, not entitled because of our own righteousness, but because of your righteousness that was given to us. Thank you for reminding us that we are your sons and daughters. Thank you for reminding us that we can't think of ourselves more highly than we ought than others, but we should think of ourselves as valued by what you call us to be and what you've invited us to be. God, would you solidify this and would you clarify it in our hearts and minds? Because we don't want to just do church and run a church and have a nice church. We want to be the church that you have always envisioned us to be. And so we surrender and we give ourselves over to you again. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies. Thank you for your cross and your resurrection that makes it possible. We lift these things up to you in your most holy name.